0: From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle.
1: Are you feeling overwhelmed by technology? Do you suffer from a nagging fear of missing out? Join Chronicle Managing Editor Fernando Diaz as he talks to a panel of industry experts about the effects of technology on privacy and ways you can protect yourself. It's Chronicle Chats at Herbst Theater on September 17th. You can purchase tickets at sfchronicle.com slash chats.
0: Vanessa Hua, welcome to the big event and welcome to the intro.
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: So we go back to 1999.
1: Yep, turn of the new millennium. Turn of the new millennium. First dot com boom.
0: We were newspaper reporters back then. There was no blogging, no podcasting, no no, what Twitter. no Twitter. So it's kind of the same and kind of different. Um, I got a podcast now we're on it the big event we induct movies into the SF cinema greatest of all time and today we're gonna do Joy Luck Club so you've got a book out a river of stars we're gonna talk about that we're gonna pay tribute to the Joy Luck Club the trailer still sounds very 1990s let's have a listen
1: my mother started the Joy Luck Club For 30 years, these women feasted, forgot past wrongs, laughed, played, lost and won, and told the best stories.
2: No talking in Chinese.
1: How do I know you're not cheating? We are your auntie, and we are very honest
0: people. Hollywood Pictures presents the story of four extraordinary women who left their homeland behind. I was raised the Chinese way to build a future for their daughters in America. So you're a mother of young twins watching this movie. As a mom, do you process this differently now than you did maybe in college when you saw it the first time?
1: Yeah, definitely, Um, especially since one of the mothers has to leave behind her twin daughters um, in the middle of wartime. And I think watching it now, I have a better understanding of um, the sacrifices that mothers make and sort of the hard decisions that sort of shape you and the, the children who come after you.
0: So we're going to talk about that, some of the themes of this movie. Um, We're going to talk about some of the things that worked and didn't work, whether it's really a San Francisco movie. And Heather Knight is here, City Hall reporter Heather Knight. I'm Peter Hartlob, and this is The Big Event. Welcome to The Big Event, Vanessa Hua and Heather Knight.
2: Hey, good to be here.
1: Good to be here.
0: Vanessa, You, I, thank you for coming. You're quite the star now on a book tour, River of Stars. How's it going?
1: It's been great. I'm, I'm so grateful. Um, it's hit the Bay Area bestseller list on its first week out, and it just went into its second printing.
0: Awesome. Second printing. They do that already? Yeah. That's like when Game of Thrones, they order two more seasons like before it's even started. That's what happened to your book.
2: Uh, Something like that. Yes. She's a total rock star. She's not only a great author, but um, plans really good parties. I went to her book release party at the Booksmith a couple weeks ago, and it was super fun. And lots of themed food and drinks and yes that'll be my sideline tattoos
0: yeah (laughs) nice nice so give me uh, Kelly bought the book my wife and um, it's she's reading it first so we're cheap like that I should have bought two I'll buy the paperback (laughs) Um, I'll buy the second printing (laughs) but uh, give me give me a little synopsis first
1: sure I've been calling it a pregnant Thelma and Louise And it's about a pregnant Chinese woman who comes to the U.S. So her baby will have U.S. citizenship. But when her lover betrays her, she takes off with a teenage pregnant stowaway in tow. And they make their way to San Francisco's Chinatown. I'm super grateful to all the readers. People have been coming to events, to booksellers. Um, It's just wonderful to see. It's kind of a mind-blowing thing to see something that was conceived in my head out in the world now.
2: She's been written up in tons of magazines, too. (laughs) Oprah. entertainment weekly the economist us (laughs) i was most excited about us
0: (laughs) awesome well congratulations to you thank you for coming in because i know you're busy um we're here to talk about the joy luck club inducting it into our sf cinema greatest of all time um i want to get ellen lee was supposed to be here couldn't be here i want to i want everyone to know that seat's there for her
2: she had a last minute sickness so we missed her we miss ellen lee yes
0: Joy Luck Club, First Thoughts, we're inducting this into our little Hall of Fame, so supposedly one of the greatest San Francisco films. Your first thoughts, Vanessa?
1: There were a lot of flashbacks. (laughs) And I thought it was sort of interesting from a narrative point of view. There was a whole frame about a family gathering, a a big party scene, and um, at various moments, the women would sort of duck out and be hit with memories flooded with memories and um you know that that wasn't in the the book that that particular frame um but i thought it was an interesting choice and but that's where we sort of get all the sort of classic chinese family gathering scenes of you know everyone together eating food and you know in everyone's
0: business but you liked it yes yes (laughs) okay heather
2: I hadn't seen it in so long. It came out 25 years ago, and I must have seen it back then, but I think I read the book too, but um, re-watched it a few days ago and didn't have much of a memory of it, but um, I really enjoyed it. Um, there's so much character development. There are tons of flashbacks. It's a little bit soap opera-y, but um, I thought it was fun to watch.
1: Well, one thing that I, I want to say is the the lines that I remembered from when I saw it as a freshman in college, I remembered them Perfectly. And they, they sort of like got recorded um, very firmly in my brain, even though many, many things have happened since in the last 25 years. What lines
2: did you remember? Um, best. best quality crab.
0: Or
1: <laughs> you think you make him chocolate peanut butter pie? He love you.
0: <laughs> that bad crab. Only you try to take it. Everybody else want best quality. You think it's different you took best quality crap. You took worst. Because you had best quality heart. Very nice. Well, I wanted to get to where, where you, you saw it. Um, I mean, specifically, do you remember the theater? Do you remember the circumstance? Do you remember if you were talking about it afterward?
1: Yes, I was a freshman at Stanford, and our dorm made a big field trip. And we had just started school. Um, and so... A bunch of us went, and I remember there was tears and laughter, and we, you know, definitely talked about it afterwards. Yeah. And it was both um, Chinese American and non-Chinese who
2: who came.
0: Yeah, cool. How about you, Heather?
2: I have no memory. <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: I, s- I saw you it were you point. were
2: wee taught. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I saw it on Saturday. <laughs> Rented it for Three, the first time. Three ninety nine on uh, my Xfinity plan. Yeah. So, um, I'm sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna be. <laughs> uh, I I should have seen the Joy Luck Club a lot sooner. I really enjoyed it. Um, So I do want to get to the history, and you guys can jump in and tell me if I'm wrong, because I think the last movie podcast we did together, Heather, I got like 12 things wrong and had to just write basically just a a tweet thread of just all the corrections for the podcast. (laughs) So jump in if I get it wrong. It's four families, mothers and daughters, um, all immigrants from China, a lot of backstory, Coming to San Francisco, um, based on Amy Tan's book, super popular book, the book was a bestseller. While the book was still popular, there were talks of a movie, and from the beginning, they were talking about Wayne Wang, who um, was uh, making smaller films, San Francisco films, and uh, Chan is Missing, and and other films. Had gotten a lot of notice, but hadn't made a big Hollywood-type film. Hollywood gets behind the film, Um, which I was surprised because you look at this film you don't look at it there aren't huge stars in it you don't look at it and think this is going to make a ton of money and the way Hollywood works I think it was Jeffrey Katzenberg and Oliver Stone kind of got behind it and this moved pretty quickly which surprised me yeah it was
1: or it came out um four years before it it was a movie so like that's that's nothing that's pretty quick in Hollywood Yeah. yeah
0: Yeah, and it it was made for 10 million, grossed more than 35 million, um, which I I think we should say it right now. I mean, the links between this and Crazy Rich Asians, Crazy Rich Asians, I I put it in my review, and it's in a lot of the write-ups of it, that that that's the first Hollywood movie with an all-Asian cast since Joy Luck Club. So it's not like this movie failed and gave reason not to make another movie with with an Asian cast for 25 years. It did well. couple little details can i share some sure. stuff i got from the chronicle uh chronicle gave it the um prestigious little man clapping from peter stack wang film a joy to behold was Th-
1: so sitting in the chair not or standing no not he chair. is sitting falling out of the, chair. Out of the Oh, the, 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 oh top the top end top. of the scale
0: yeah okay and i'm gonna cut this part out but it is i'm pronouncing his name right wayne wang yeah, yeah thank you Because maybe I won't cut that out. Let's just let the people know that I have to... I'm not going to cut that out. Let's just let the people know. Mabuhai. Yeah, that was in the Datebook podcast. I mispronounced Mabuhai for like 12 podcasts. Uh, Here's Peter Stack's lead. Director Wayne Wang's adaptation of San Francisco writer Amy Tan's lyrical complex novel, The Joy Luck Club, is a beautiful work that could easily have turned into a four-hour-long affair... But at just a tad over two is enticingly rich and shines with humanity, and he just loved the film. Uh, Siskel and Ebert, it was Ebert's number five film, Siskel's number seven. It was acclaimed um, for the year, for the year, yeah. And it
1: must have been a thumbs up. It (laughs) was two thumbs up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Two thumbs up. Casting call in San Francisco, and um, they were they were looking for people to play the mothers to play there were a lot of extras I'm sure there are a lot of people who live in San Francisco who ended up in this film Um, one local was cast Victor Wong he played the piano teacher all right he he's got a great history do you guys know about Victor Wong
1: No. No. he steals every scene that he's in both in the flashback and sort of at one of the the parties
0: he he was a member of the beat generation a friend of Jack Kerouac Studied under Mark Rothko. I mean, he's just this incredibly wow. rounded person. Lived in the Bay Area most of his life, but worked in Hollywood. He was in The Last Emperor, and he fought with Bernardo Bertolucci over the historical accuracy of The Last Emperor. And I thought that was that is super cool, cool. super cool. So little connection there. Um, and like I said, it did well. I don't know why anybody yeah. would think not to make another movie like this.
2: Well, I guess they needed another book to base one off of there were other books but which other books do you think could've... well I just it's just interesting
1: or did something happen where they said like oh well uh, well we've we've done it we've done the check
2: we would check we've
1: done the, the... <laughs> we, we the Chinese American story there needs to be no other
0: yeah for 25 years for so I want to. We're, we're celebrating the movie. I want to talk first about what worked about it and uh, what what did you like about it. What do you think connected? What did they do right? Starting with you, Vanessa. When you think about this, what do you think about in terms of the positives?
1: I just um, I thought it was really interesting how they uh, the movie got at sort of inter intergenerational trauma and pain and sort of how um, how even though war is distant um you know in the lives of the american daughters it's you know geographically distant it's very present in the way you know who their mother turned out to be and how that shaped them and so i thought that was um that that weight of history was you know that is so often unspoken um i thought was depicted really beautifully in the movie
2: yeah, I thought um, the scenes were just really vivid. Some that stood out for me were at the end where June um, finds her half-sisters and just that um, connection back in China um, made me a little teary. And um, then other scenes were just vivid in a more horrifying way, like the um, killing of that baby in the bathtub was just the way they pulled away and you didn't see the details, but you knew what had happened. I thought some of those scenes just really stuck in my Head. And just the, in general, the relationships between the mothers and daughters and how they didn't know much about each other, but they had so much to share and so many linkages that kind of explained why the daughters were the way they were in some ways.
1: Yeah. Well, and it was interesting. I actually went back and reread the book and the baby uh, drowned in the bathtub scene didn't happen in the book. Oh, really? What happened was she aborted the baby I don't know for, through some means, but I guess visually they needed to sort of push it. One one step more, in and that the was movie. like the
2: world's cutest baby. That was it was.
1: Yeah. He was.
0: <laughs> I think that's the Ying Ying Saint Clair character, and and uh, all of these women have gone through some kind of hell, hell in mm-hmm. their lives. Uh, the book to the movie. Had you read the book, Vanessa, when you saw the movie, and and did the changes bother you? Uh,
1: well, I think I'd, I I must have. I think I must have read it when it right when it came out, and I I remember like I memorized lines from it, and so. Um, When I saw the movie, I don't know if I immediately made the connection, you know, did a side-by-side comparison, but having now read and seen it in short order, I see how, say, for example, the movie wraps things up a little more tidily, like, where things are more ambiguous, and it's sort of like the uncertainty sort of silences hang between the mothers. In the movie, they sort of, like, cry it out and smile at each other, so... Yeah, but that's Hollywood.
0: Yeah, I thought that the the um, it could have really blown up in their faces the the framing devices that they use. These are four stories told back and forth. Um, by creating it in this structure, you really can't have a lead actress. I mean, you can't pick someone who's going to be the, the the big actress in the centerpiece. It's basically nine people sharing. The screen pretty much evenly, and that's not even including the younger versions of themselves. Right. So I think I think from a filmmaking point of view, it was um, probably a lot more difficult than we even think about seeing it. And uh, the other thing I liked is that, as you said, it's hellish. I mean, the things that happen, it's just you know heart wrenching. And then they have these funny moments, and they don't feel out of place. I love the scene where the um, white new boyfriend I think uh, it's way, asked rich asking rich. how it went <laughs> yeah, and then uh, uh, the whole I mean you have the cultural detail about how she 's going to insult her own dish, but clearly this is like a big, big deal that she makes this dish, and he 's like, No, you just need a little bit of soy sauce <laughs> on it they and they then he the just like he dumps stuff. the whole bottle on it as is the Chinese cook's custom. my mother always insults her own cooking but only with the dishes she serves with special pride. This
2: dish not salty enough, no flavor. It's too bad to eat, but please.
1: (laughs) That was our cue to eat some and proclaim it the best she'd ever made.
0: You know, Linda, all this needs is a little soy sauce. And I enjoyed that and I laughed between, you know, totally being wrecked by what happened to these women. So yeah. um, I think there was a lot of really good balancing here. I've seen a lot of Wayne Wang's films since. I've reviewed a couple of them and I haven't even seen him do it as well as he has here.
1: Yeah, Waverly, I thought was a character with, Waverly and her mother actually had the most zingers. Yeah. yeah. yeah they were, they they mastered the sort of cutting comments.
0: Yeah. So I I thought that was really good. I did think there were a couple standouts. I thought uh, Sai Chen, who was a Bond girl. She was actually in two Bond movies. She was a Bond girl in one of the early Sean Connery James Bond movies. And then she um, was in Casino Royale too. Oh, so really? which
1: one was she, which actress, wh- or wh- what role did she pl- she play?
0: Uh, she played Lindo, Auntie oh, Lindo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I thought she was fantastic. She stood out as, yeah. she really balanced, and there's a lot of this in here. She's a
1: very strong woman.
0: Strong, badass. Conniving. Conniving. Cunning, cunning. Cunning, thank you. And also, what I loved with each of these actresses, but with her in particular, was the nurturing side when it came out. It came out in a way that was believable. Um, so I thought she was fantastic.
1: Well, uh, sort of one interesting connection between this movie and Crazy Rich Asians was the actress who played May, Lisa Liu.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So in Crazy Rich Asians, she's the, the grandmother who sort of initially seems like she's going to welcome Rachel into the, to the family, but then sort of is very tradition bound um, in, in um, the Joy Luck Club. Um, you know she's the mother who her mother had eaten opium to commit suicide and then her daughter um, was you know letting herself get steamrolled by Andrew McCarthy (laughs) and so sort of just talking about that um, notion that we can't let our worth be defined by by men and so it did feel like it's wonderful that there was sort of this almost connection between the movies that that, that the same actress um, was in both
0: yeah, and that's Andrew McCarthy, who plays um, Rose, played by Rosalind Chow, her boyfriend-turned-husband. And let us note, I mean, Andrew McCarthy in 1993, showing up in Joy Luck Club, he's certainly probably the most famous person at the time here, had done Weekend at Bernie's 2 three months before, <laughs> and then he shows up in this.
2: Honey, should we eat in or out tonight? You decide. Well, uh... If we eat in, I, I've got lamb chops, or I could call Ernie's,
0: or square one. Whatever you want, really, it'll be great.
2: I noticed he had very feathery hair and very baggy pants. Yeah. I guess that's 1993. For oh,
1: well, and uh, yeah. Waverly had, like, an all-white suit, and <laughs> right. with the there was some definite 80s fashion going on. Definitely. Yeah,
0: yeah I, I thought another thing that... This could be a positive, you could twist it as a negative, but really didn't get into the, let's go into San Francisco's Chinatown, let's show them talking on a cable car or the Golden Gate Bridge. There's actually a picture of the Golden Gate Bridge takes up half of the DVD cover of the Joy Luck Club, but you never see the Golden Gate Bridge in the movie, at least that I didn't see. I mean, it's very much interiors, and I think by doing that, even though it was all shot in the Bay Area, by Keeping it to interiors and keeping the locations organically, I think it's one of the better San Francisco movies in terms of depicting San Francisco.
1: You mean inst- instead of being too on the nose, like let's drive under like famous sites? Right, yeah. famous yeah. sites.
0: And I think a lot of what some of the movies that are San Francisco movies where they use exteriors and shoot in LA, they'll find interiors in LA that don't look like San Francisco apartments. Um, they're too big, or they don't have the bay windows or whatever. I, I believe Horace Mann School was used for mm-hmm. the auditorium. And I thought they just, it feels like a San Francisco movie in a subtle way. Waverly, they show her apartment, and they don't make a big deal of it. She never goes out on the balcony. But you can kind of tell through her big picture, picture windows that it's Bernal Heights.
2: Yeah, or, or Dolores Park or something. Or, yeah. yeah.
0: So anyway. I also
2: found a little detail that that, really weird, all-gray, modern house that Lena lives in. You know, with yeah. the rickety table that her husband What the husband likes. wants to do 50-50 on everything. Oh, yeah. God, that guy was the worst. But that was a real house in Potrero Hill on Rhode Island. And um, it was then uh, owned by a member of the Kronos Quartet. And really? sold 10 years ago for $2.5 million. Oh. oh, wow,
0: nice. That's a good little fact. Well, the other that thing out. that I
1: liked was, in some ways, I like that it wasn't just the confines of Chinatown. That Chinese people are living everywhere, or somewhere, um, you know, the divorcee Rose lived in a house that maybe looked like Woodside or something. It's just yeah, I was
2: trying to find where that was and I couldn't find it, but yeah, it did look very peninsula, right? And it's
1: sort of like I think sometimes the automatic assumption is that oh, you know, you will only find Chinese in Chinatown, and so it was cool to see sort of like the. I don't know, the sort of like the dispersal of where people might end up after
2: Chinatown is their initial um, landing pad or jumping off point that they did we know the if area. the mothers as they became grandmothers still lived in Chinatown some of their homes looked bigger so I was wondering if
1: well I was just reading in the book like one of them for example um, June's mother the one the mother who passed away they lived like uh, at Leavenworth they lived up the hill uh-huh. and so again that also sort of really reflects the way sort of you sort of move up and out of Chinatown.
0: Yeah. Other things you liked.
1: I mean, as I said, the lines that really sort of like hit me that I remember, you know, decades later about knowing your worth or about the you know the whole business. It's like um, I mean, I've looked online. I mean, b- these these lines even have like sort of like um, li- uh, names attached to them, like the best quality crab speech. Is sort yeah. of like <laughs> this. It's it's just very memorable
0: to yeah. me. One more credit to the director, I think, is that all the children in this are really good, and that's something that they talk about like Spielberg, all of his children's performances are really good, and, and a lot of times that's you know, the casting director, getting the right kid, and a lot of time it's the director. Um, and I think Wayne Wang was um, really good at finding people that not only you felt like they represented the older character, but um, really shined on screen. I don't remember seeing a point where I'm like, this is a child actor. Um, and a lot of them are period pieces too which are harder so I thought the kids were really good I really that- like
2: the little girl who played Waverly with the ponytail and then the disagreement with her mother over chess and one of my favorite scenes was when her mother is walking with her through Chinatown showing off that Life magazine where she's should- yeah. holding it up and <laughs> out yeah. <laughs> yeah and Waverly's just like mortified and you can see I, there's some 50s like duet song playing in the background and you can see the old 50s cars and um the high ponytail. It was just like very Chinatown but very American too if you looked at all the images in that scene.
0: You
1: know my daughter? Waverly Chow. Chess champion. Smart
0: girl. <laughs>
1: Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: I wish you wouldn't do that. Telling everyone I'm your daughter. What do you mean? You're so ashamed to be with your mother? It's not that. It's just that so... Embarrassing. What? That's all. Embarrassed you be my daughter? That's not what I said. Then what you say? Look at me. Look at me. Why do you have to use me to show off? If you want to show off,
1: then why don't you learn to play chess? Yeah. Yeah, Or um, when June says to her mother, like, I'm not taking any more piano lessons. She's like listening to a monkey song, (laughs) you know, so it definitely, um, you know, captures like, uh, like the, not just like place, but a sense of time as well.
0: Yeah. And and even in the 90s, 10 million is not a lot of money to make a film. So you don't see a lot of period exteriors. You can kind of tell if you're really looking where he was sort of saving money on it, but you don't, you don't notice it overtly. I mean, it's something that I thought that he kept it all together. Um, criticisms, things that don't age well, things that you didn't like at the time. Vanessa?
1: I don't remember what I didn't like. Um, I know there was criticism then about um, how men were depicted in the movie. Um, or But, you know, it was aside from June's father, they were sort of really absent in the present day, except for uh, – being a like a doltish boyfriend or a caddish boyfriend you know
2: you know Asian or non-Asian yeah there weren't really any positive male characters um, no, June's the, dad, was June's the dad. he yeah. was sweet at the end but he wasn't really in it that much my least favorite man was like we already talked about the really cheap <laughs> one. one <laughs> oh god it drove me crazy how he had to track um you know to the scent which he would spend all on expenses everything
1: well Russell Wong was pretty downright evil too. And then The Rapist, you know, I guess it's a whole cavalcade Halloween. of negative <laughs> portrayals. Yeah,
0: let's go in the 90s and how many films were women used as, you know, sex objects or shrews or just, yeah. you know, a, a prize for a man. So I, I did look back and there were protests. Um, I'm sure these groups are all on Twitter now, you know, the the men's rights group type of groups of that time were were just up in arms especially because i think the white men um, did not look good in this film and it's like well let's pick a random 90s film off the shelf and yeah. let's see how women look so
1: well in the book she does not stay with andrew mccarthy oh really yeah oh, all right so again it's sort of like those moments where where things sort of resolved itself a little more happily <laughs> yeah in, than in the book
0: I'm I'm not gonna say it's something that didn't age well, but something that I definitely noticed was the fashions. Yeah. Yeah. And I especially noticed it because like it's just this running thing about how stylish why can't you be more stylish like Waverly? And Waverly's <laughs> so stylish and I'm just like the shoulder pads oh, are, are massive and so
1: very sharp looking. Well and the colors too yeah. of the, the clothes. But then June, was just, you know, Thick bangs, turtleneck, <laughs> ankle-length uh, skirts. Like, she looks, yeah, like she's in a cult or something. So.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you think the book's better?
1: Uh, well, isn't that always the case? Or? Yeah. I mean, it's just a different experience. And I think with a book, um, you might be able to sink more deeply into the character um, and not get sort of confused. But, yeah. um, but I mean, I think they both have their merits. I mean, it's a book, um, no, mo- no matter how popular I don't think has the reach of a movie of a Hollywood movie. Um, but, uh, you know, I, you know, it, in some ways I think some of the characters, um, the daughters came off as like kind of passive in the movie, but then if you read the book, you understand the mom's backstory and their childhood and you kind of, um, understand why they're acting that way more so than what you're seeing on the screen.
0: Yeah um as someone who has just written a book do you think about that when you're writing the book or when you're completing it like oh if they made a movie out of this how would they screw it up or who would... <laughs> uh
1: well i mean i think it's but the thing is from what i've heard talking to people it, it's just you have to let it go and not actually be that involved necessarily because it's its own thing it's a it's its own thing even if it has bears the title and some of the characters of your book yeah
2: yeah who would you cast to star as your protagonist. Oh, I don't know. You
0: <laughs> <laughs> you you're, you're not uh no favorites right now. Uh,
1: I mean Constance Wu is an amazing actress um but I think her dance card's quite filled up right now. <laughs> so. Maybe. Crazy yeah. Rich Asians yeah. too.
0: Um so San Francisco movie, I mentioned it before. I mean I think it was partly due to the budget and partly due to they had so much ground to cover from now and then that they probably didn't have a lot of time to go out and sightsee. But do you watch this and think San Francisco movie? Do you have you considered that a San Francisco movie over the years?
2: I have, but when I rewatched it, I noticed. Um wait, there isn't (laughs) very much that like jumps out at you as being San Francisco. But I think it is cool because um, 30% of San Francisco voters are Chinese. They're a huge portion of our city and there haven't been very many fictional stories about them. And so I think um, just getting inside these homes in Chinatown and other neighborhoods as they get older is um, an important thing to have on screen and part of our best of San Francisco (laughs) movie Hall of Fame. Yes. I mean,
1: and I think there is something to be said that um, the fact that it, you know, San Francisco, uh, you know, such a Chinese movie, it feels like Chinese and San Francisco feels synonymous, you know? So I think that's why even if we don't have a cable car and a Ghirardelli Sunday and um, a ride,
2: you know, a walk up Coit Tower, it still feels very San Francisco. Right. The Chinese banquet scenes, especially to me, you know, like... Just endless amounts of food felt very San Francisco crab, 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 (laughs) Chinese (laughs) style crab, best quality crab.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I did have one little complaint. San Franciscans made this film, and there's a line when Waverly's showing her mom, she's up in the Bernal Heights view, beautiful apartment. And shows her the fur coat and says, "I don't know why he even got it for me. It's never cold enough to wear." And I was like, "No, it's San Francisco. <laughs> it's, it's August. Like, it's it's August. It's cold. I want. It. I want that coat right now."
2: You know, Rich, the guy I told you about. I don't know why he got it for me. It's really never cold enough to wear. You want to try it?
0: So, um, so that one line, I hold criticism over that but, would be
2: more of a Los Angeles line
0: yeah but I, I agree with you and and as I mentioned before I mean there are subtleties in this film that make it feel like San Francisco even if you don't really know it um, down to the interiors and down to just the fact that it was San Franciscans who made it I mean you know it, it has that authenticity so uh, it is a San Francisco movie we've decided that <laughs> Uh, where would you rank do you, it? Do you,
1: uh, do you have a gavel you can hit? <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I should have a gavel. Where would you rank it? Um, is this one of the best San Francisco films? Would you put it in a second or third tier? Is it in its own category?
2: I'd maybe do second tier.
0: Yeah. Give me some films <laughs> that you would group this in with.
2: I think we put Milk in the second tier, right?
0: Yeah, I think Milk's a little higher. Yeah. A little higher. I think this is like with the game... Um, you know blue jasmine i think uh-huh. it's right there it's a good tier to be in yeah yeah so i mean i, I don't want to force joy luck club and crazy rich asians into the same sentence over and over but i I want to ask you guys if you saw similarities uh i'll ask you did you see the movie yeah Heather? you did okay. i saw oh, them both sorry. in the past week so awesome do you see the dna of joy luck club and crazy rich Definitely. asians or is it just yeah go ahead oh, i didn't even <laughs> have to finish <laughs> go ahead I mean,
2: just the whole mother-daughter dynamic between um, Rachel and her mother ha- and their really strong relationship. And, of course, the mother of Nick in um, Singapore and how strong she is. And she pretty much controls the whole family, it seems like. The grandmother, it's all very female-centric. The With the exception of Nick Young, the men are all kind of doofuses, similar <laughs> yeah. to Joy Luck Club. And, of course, Mahjong, the scene um, at the end where Rachel and her future mother-in-law play and kind of make peace was very pivotal. So the Mahjong table. Right, and the (coughs) Joylet Club opens with a Mahjong
1: scene. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, And I think um, there's a big sense of like clan, I guess, that I I think, like extended family, the importance of that and the histories and sort of the things that date back to childhood that you have to navigate, you know, whether or not you come from inside or outside of it. And I think both movies really um, were reflecting that.
0: I yeah. want to, like, invest in Mahjong right now because it's big. both of these movies really make it look like a exciting, fun game.
2: And yeah. I never Mao learned. loved it.
1: I've, I've played it before, but um, I, I'm actually sort of an impatient game player. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, they um, it definitely is – Um, My parents actually didn't play it because they considered it a form of gambling. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I I thought also the the balance of humor with some really serious family subjects was done well in both of the films. And John M. Chu, I had reviewed some of his films. And, like, the best of the – he did, like, Step Up to the Streets or whatever, one of the Step Up movies. Justin Bieber, Never Say Never – I didn't see anything in what he had done that made me think he was going to be able to subtly direct um, a drama comedy with you know some serious family elements in it, and I thought he did a really good job of balancing that okay we're gonna have humorous moments this is fun this is entertainment but there's some serious stuff too and Joy Luck Club is obviously way more serious and way more wrenching but I think both directors did a good job of that balance
1: yeah the light and the dark but can I say a San Francisco connection for John yeah. and Chu yeah so um, his father Lawrence Chu is owner of the longtime restaurant on the peninsula uh Chuff Chew's Oh, cool.
0: Really? Yes. Have you eaten there?
1: Yes. Um, I mean, as an undergrad, it was one of the the nicer Chinese restaurants um, around Stanford, and it was funny. I had a book event, and you know, some of the the women were really excited about the idea of my book be, being adapted in the movie. They're like, we should just, we, we can give it to John through his dad, Lawrence. We've known Lawrence for years. I'm like thinking, yeah, he, he wants me to show up at the restaurant.
2: I think he should. <laughs> right? With
1: a copy of my book. Um, but I just love that idea that uh, that there are these sort of Bay Area connections. Okay.
2: Another similarity that I got a kick out of was um, in Crazy Rich Asians, the mom and her circle of friends were, really reminded me of the joy luck club mothers and how they always like hung out in this tight pack, but kind of gave each other side eye over whose kid was doing better. better. (laughs) And like, there was a lot of friendship and love, but also a lot of competition and just, you know, the looks they gave each other. (laughs) It was so similar. The death stairs. Yes. Death stairs.
0: Death stairs. Very good. Um, Well, awesome. I want to close like we started with um, Vanessa and I want to talk about book clubs, because <laughs> uh, how, are, how big of a thing is that? I mean, like, are, are book clubs what fuel a book these days?
1: Well, my publisher actually made a whole book club guide, which is a lot of fun, available um, for download from my website. But it has recipes, it has questions, it has fun facts. So I think there definitely is an interest. Because, you know, there's books that people read immediately at pub date, but then, you know, a book is still new to someone if it's the first time they've read
2: it. And so I think that's where there's an opportunity for for book clubs. She gave me the book club packet, and I told my book club about it, and we're going to read it for October and have a special guest. You're
0: going to have a special guest? (laughs) Do you you anticipate getting contacted a lot about that?
1: I mean, I've offered – I've definitely – been to you know book clubs of people i know and also i've i've skyped into classes and to book clubs so i offer that as well
0: but what about a random like if someone out of the blue were to invite you let's say they lived 3 miles away are you going to go
1: uh well it it, it all she would skype. i would yeah skype or it depends on the, the schedule but i know lots of authors off offer to 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 skype in
0: Okay, my wife's in a book club. I'm not in a book club, but my wife's in like six. And there's <laughs> How does she
2: read that many books? Well, she is a librarian. Yeah.
0: She's a librarian. She has like a young adult book club um, where they get kids. And a lot of times it's like at-risk kids. Sometimes
1: there's mother-daughter book clubs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she and then she's got this book club that's um, a lot of ex-teachers where they actually read the book. And then the rest of her book clubs, I don't know that they read the book. They just have drinks. and it's I, a wine I club. Assume... That's, what,
1: that's what men always think that women's book
2: clubs are about. <laughs> really? Okay. Yes. I need to get in a book club. That were a hen party. I've had a book club since 1999. We took a break when we all had babies and didn't read, but then we started reading again. And um, my favorite book club book of recent years was Homegoing. Have you read that? That's an excellent book. Excellent yeah. book.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to start a book club and not make that mistake again. Um, That was my mistake for this podcast was assuming all book clubs, no one reads a book.
1: Well, do you know what's good? um, You know who should start a book club? Who's that? A guy looking to meet some ladies. (laughs) That's not me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just putting that out there for your listeners. In fact, I was in a book club where I dated both the founder and then the other founder. At the same time? No, sequentially.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, I think we've covered a lot of territory. Uh, (laughs) Joy Luck Club, check it out. Thank you both for coming in. Vanessa, Heather.
1: Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you. It was fun.
0: We will have you back. Uh, Vanessa, good luck with your book. Thanks so much. And uh, we'll see you again. Thanks for listening to The Big Event. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to my guests, Vanessa Hua and Heather Knight. Executive producer is Fernando Diaz, and our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community. Read our columns and subscribe to the Chronicle at www.sfchronicle.com. San Francisco Chronicle podcasts are on Apple Podcasts and other streaming services. Listen at www.sfchronicle.com slash podcasts with an S.